Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Wasting Time podcast. I'm Quinn. Uh, this week we have got a lot to get through. We're going to talk to you about news from the Lippies. We've got Less Than Jake, uh, Burnt Tapes and Might As Well Fest. And then we're going to discuss the new uh, King Blues EP that dropped last week along with uh, Petrol Girl's debut. Um, and then we've got a discussion about promoters. But before that, let's do some introductions. Guten Tag, I am Darren. Again with the with the uh, languages, Darren. Yeah. Nice. Learning. Hi, I'm Chris, and I want to introduce today's guest. We have Mr. Sam Russo with us today. Hi, Hello. Sam. Hi. Sorry, uh, I want to start by apologising. James Hull couldn't be here. Today. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for Excellent having me. Stuff. Well, thanks for coming, Sam. Yeah, uh, we appreciate it. We'll be chatting to Sam later on, as per usual. Uh, but first, news. Um, I'm going to start with Less Than Jake because we've got two bits of news from Less Than Jake this week. Right. Uh, the first one is that they are releasing a live album. Uh, it's called uh, Live from the London Historia, or Live from the Historia. Bit it was a random one. Recorded in 2001. 2001. Yeah. Did anyone go to that tour? No. Mm, uh, I was like 12. <laughs> oh, shit, you made me feel my age. I went to the Newcastle who they, uh, show. Did I say who they played with? Because I've got a key ring from... It was uh, Cat Down were, uh, that were on tour with them on that. I got a key ring from the Cambridge Corner Exchange which said... Uh, LTJ fucking and the fucking wasn't there so it's like star 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 oh we can swear on this that's good yeah uh, that was with fucking bowling for soup wasn't it yeah that's the uh, <laughs> uh, I was yeah. there so yeah there's that I mean it seems odd that you'd, leave, that you'd hold a release back. they must have just found it well yeah just found it <laughs> <laughs> gathering dust I mean I'm sure there's reasons but um, I mean any lesson Jake fans here yes yeah, yeah you are I think you we are. should speculate as to the reasons what for doing a live album now from 2000 they've run out of shit yeah, yeah. The, the last thing I listened to was uh, Ignite was that the album yeah that's I, years old but that was that was some really good songs in it. It, it it is funny actually like I say I describe myself as a fan but when they put out a new album I don't find myself taking the time to listen to that it that wasn't funny at all you said that's funny yeah like funny <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't, I can't remember the last time I listened to a, a new Less Than Jake album. Hello, um, Rolfie is brilliant. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. that is the gold standard for... I remember seeing that. Like, 18 years old on now. On A4 pieces of paper at the uh, Harlow Square when I was young. Yeah. And I was like, shit. I only knew them because they were on a really bad uh, skateboard game on PlayStation. What game? It was like same time as Tony Hawk's, but it was like you do unreal tricks on this one, mm. like really unreal. Oh, was it like Street Skater or something? Something like that. Yeah, yeah I remember that game. Tasters on it as well. Yeah, and all that stuff. That was really cool. Less than Jake were basically the Bruce Springsteen of Scar, in my opinion. Wow. Oh, yeah, that's a good statement. They probably yeah. use that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they love it on the uh, on the on the uh, on the press releases for this album. <laughs> there won't be much else. <laughs> The Bruce Springsteen of Scar, Sam Russo. Wait, how, 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 me, I'm the Bruce Springsteen of Scar. <laughs> no, that was the quote. <laughs> I wish I was. Um, that's a, yeah, great live album uh, from 2000. I think it'll be cool. If you're from 2001, uh, I think it's going to be. Not that much has changed. I don't know, man. Are live albums ever that great? Sometimes. Yeah, I think there's a lot What's of What's your favourite live album? <laughs> off, right um, off the top of your head. Bob Double Marley. Live Gonzo, Ted Nugent. <laughs> No, probably not. Uh, hmm. There's plenty of good live albums. I think, like, when you go back in history... Pennywise, like, live at the Key Club. That's okay. a really good yeah. live record. Good choice. Like, um, the Clash stuff, that like, 
because and mm. I didn't see him. Well, you were probably 15. When <laughs> <I was laughs> Again, um, with these jokes, hilarious. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, listening to that stuff's kind of cool for me. No, actually, I listen to loads of live H2O stuff. I would Anything that, if you can catch that energy in one show, it's quite impressive, I think. Yeah. 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 Like that Pennywise Live at the Q Club record sticks out for me just because. I found a lot of their early stuff a bit too lo-fi to really get the energy across. Okay. And then when you see it and hear it live, mm. it's pretty phenomenal. And the speed, it's like double speed, mm. a lot of interaction. Uh, it's a great record. Is it too different to say like live DVDs of gigs? Is that too different to like, say uh, like them, but not nah, so much they, live albums? I, no, because I think, I think a live play? show is very visual. And sometimes it comes across just on a live album, but sometimes you do want to watch it as well. Yeah. I'm going to close yeah. my eyes next time I listen to one. Or watch one watch. And see what I think <laughs> but it's hard why, why don't you just, why don't you just pull it off without the visual yeah. Say, yeah although it depends on how the DVD's done because I know like Biffy Clyro's live at Wembley um, DVD is the way it's cut you don't really get to see the band play too well I've just remembered my greatest uh, Joey Tribbiani brackets uh, live album you're going to say Blink, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that, I, I was thinking yeah. of mentioning that. I mean, that's mine. That's that, that, that and the that Biffy Clyro one. It couldn't be less live. It's like edited over like... Oh, yeah. yeah. It's nights. the only time they've sounded half decent live in their career. It's recorded live over two nights, but then they do lots of touch-ups in the studio after. Yeah. Like they put a lot of... like They do a whole new guitar track of rhythm stuff. And, yeah. And yeah. It's, yeah. it's yeah. Kiss Alive of yeah. Yeah. records. Yeah. 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 I think my favourite live record is probably, now that I think of it, Lucero. The you know the mega gigantic Uber box set thing they put out recently. Okay. Four was it quadruple vinyl? Yeah, it's pretty wow. amazing. Live in Atlanta. It's really cool. really good. It's perfect. Like start to finish. But again, I think they did it over like it says like live in Atlanta in two nights. It's probably like seven years worth of. Yeah. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's pretty uh, pretty straightforward. Oh, Green, Green Day did that with their last live album. Like every track's basically from a different show. I think. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Pick and choose, but yeah, I mean, if you've got, it's, it, it's not as though it costs any money to recorderize the live show these days. Like you just plug straight into the desk, press go, and press go. So you then, go, if you can record the entire tour and then just take the best material from mm. it and stick it on an album. A lot of sound guys nowadays assume they can just do that shit. They just record yeah. your shows. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, it's happened to me a few times now. And just stick in a USB drive and just record. Yeah, it. just yeah. take it straight off and then. Where do you think boot, where do you think bootlegs of live shows come from? Yeah, like, is sound guys just recording their mix? No, it's Darren with a talk boy on the front yeah. row. <laughs> I'm holding my arm up. It's like, I, a sound guy did that for us once. So we played the show in St Albans, and then we were driving to Newcastle for the next show that night. So we listened to it back, and it was just awkward for me because I could hear all the many mistakes. I was yeah, making. Yeah. Well, well, worse like, oh, than fuck. that is that sometimes it picks up all the horrible banter. Like you'll say something yeah. completely unforgivable, <laughs> and then it's there forever. And you can hear people in the front row going. Oh, this guy's really boring. Or like <laughs> yeah, bullshit from the front row. And you just think, oh Christ, I missed that the first time. Oh. Uh, oh, so I thought we have a favourite live record. Go on, go on. Dashboard unplugged. Oh, that is a good one. <laughs> to be well, not VH1. Uh, no MTV. Oh right. What? Well, like, yeah, yeah, December like, two thousand and two. I think it was. Yeah, you fucking good at dates, isn't oh, you? Yeah. Jesus. That's good because yeah. I'm not. I hope you can fill in the gaps. Uh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll do my best. <laughs> uh, so. On the back of that, they've uh, they've announced. Well, not not on the back of that, but on. Oh the, yeah, we were talking about Lesson Jake. We were talking about Lesson Jake. Yeah. <laughs> Le- so Lesson Jake have got a live album coming out, but they're also doing some live shows off the Grows Rock uh, in May. They're doing some. They're doing four shows around the UK. They uh, played very recently, anyway. Did they? Yeah, pretty yeah. sure. Well, has anyone seen them recently? No, I've not seen them since like the last time I was at Reading. I don't think. <laughs> right. No, that's a lie. I saw them with Real Big Fish. Uh, I actually caught them two years ago. 
Oh, so comparatively recently. I saw them yeah. at Slam Dunk like year before last or something. Well, like five minutes of them. You know, standard. Yeah, it's all you really need to see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they're doing Kingston on the 2nd of May, then on the 3rd doing Liverpool, Leicester on the 4th and then Oxford on the 5th. Cool. So that's that. I can't imagine I'll bother going, but... See you there. We were running across that bridge all night We talked our way through city lights Traced all the lines We're killing time Under those buzzing signs From downtown to anywhere but here Tonight, yeah, I swear To these rooftops And just hope that God would never stop So moving on, uh, the Lippies, the band from Michigan. Was is das? Was is das? They are a pop punk band from Michigan. Uh, they had they released like an EP at the end of 2014, mm-hmm. um, but they've they've just signed to Red Scare, or it's just announced they've signed to Red Scare, um, and they're doing a full length, which is due out on the fourth of March. Okay. Quite excited about. Really cool. cool. That song you played me earlier was that from the fourth? That's from no, that's from the EP. That was okay. That right. was I'll probably drop that in there. It was 302. What kind uh, of vibe? Um, it's it's not like pop punk in the in like what Chris likes. Well, but it is, but it is a type of pop punk. I also but like. it is Can a type I stress of, yeah. that, please. See this this that term. It, it sounds you know it sounds. It's in. It, I would put it in the same world as like teenage bottle rocket, Mast Intruder, that kind of uh, that yeah kind of vibe. Loosely, that, loosely, that asking. sort of vibe. Yeah. yeah, not a generic term that could mean thousands of things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think Red Scare is one of those labels where if they put out something you would put in a pop punk bracket, it's definitely the. The yeah. best end of pop punk, like yes, a band like the Copyrights, for example. A series. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's actually, like, yeah, it's probably. I would probably yeah. liken it to stuff like the Copyrights as yeah. well. Yeah, cool. Um, so that's cool. I'm really looking forward to it. I, I, I really like the EP. I only, I only discovered them uh, through a friend about a month ago, um, and then yeah, this this new album's due. So who's that? Cool. Uh, that's Carly. Okay. Oh, okay. Cool. Carly. Yeah. Uh, she knows. Just seems to know everything. 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 Yeah. So she'd be a good person to talk about Quantum Leap about. Yeah, she would. <laughs> cool. No, she told me that when uh, when she watched Lost, she used to uh, fast forward all the flashback scenes because she just gets bored of TV. <laughs> Lost is a bit long, man. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, that's that. I just wanted to mention because I think they're cool, and uh, hopefully we'll get to talk about them once the album's out in a couple of weeks. Well, yeah, I would also remind us. I would yeah, highly cool. recommend following Toby from Red Scare on Twitter because that's how you keep. Abreast of such developments. Okay. Yeah, he's a okay. man. He's a good guy to follow. He's a lot of fun. Okay. Well, is, is he the owner? Mm. Yeah, he's the uh, the czar of Red Scare Industries. Okay. Sweet. Yes, well, he's an you, excellent. Do you know his uh, Instagram thing is? Yeah, it's Red Scare Toby, I believe. Catchy. Yeah. I think you're funny. I think Burnt Tapes uh, have announced a split with a band from York called Sketchy, who I hadn't come across until now. Um, not York, sorry, Brooklyn, New York. 
<laughs> and who's putting that out? Is it? Uh, is it John? <laughs> yeah. John's putting that out. Yeah. yeah, John, disconnect, disconnect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's cool. They're going to be on in uh, next episode. They are. Okay, so they we are. can chat Looking to them. To we can that, chat yeah. to them about that. Yeah, they're touring Europe at the moment. Um, Looks like they're having fun as well. Yeah, it does. I mean, then I'm like kind of following them a bit. Uh, so yeah that's cool it's, it's nice to get some music, new music from the guys yeah definitely um, I think the only the only time I've seen them is that show that we went to at the oh Red City Radio uh, yeah the windmill because you saw them when they played with us yeah at, and then at Red City Radio yeah, yeah Burnt Tape Sam no pretty cool band yeah really yeah. good I'll check them out London based one of the nicest London bands I've ever played with as well Greece yeah <laughs> yeah cool yeah. not uh, the musical though <laughs> straight out of Greece <laughs> yeah um, so that's due out late spring but cool. hopefully we can tease some shit out of them when we talk to them yeah week. yeah definitely yeah if not we'll just we won't give them any beer or <laughs> 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 <All> mugs or <laughs> mugs yeah. uh, right and that nicely links us to Might As Well Fest because Burnt Tapes are also playing Might As Well Fest in uh, March Might might As Well Fest 2 I believe Might As Well Fest 2 because you did the first one didn't you Chris I did I did did you enjoy yourself I did yeah awesome and I just want to shout out to John Tom and Adrian who put it on yeah because they're doing a good job of it they do do they do a a tremendous job of it and I think they've they've possibly surpassed themselves with this one uh, because they're doing they're doing two days now they're doing Friday night and they didn't rebook you guys (laughs) (laughs) so you actually fuck them that's right no I I, I don't think I don't think there is any (laughs) we're not even like I don't think there's any repeats from the first no there's not so we've got on on the Friday night with Lion Wharf Gospel Youth and Rob Lynch cool and then on the Saturday three bands just Friday night. Friday, yeah. Oh, that's the Friday, yeah. Yeah, so that's Rob like an Lynch. after work, after after work well, job. Which will be fun, yeah. yeah Rob Lynch is one of the nicest human beings I've ever met. Yeah. 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 You, should, you should get Rob Lynch we've, on here. Well, yeah, I've spoken we're, to we're him about oh, yeah. Dry as a bone, that man. <laughs> yeah. He's so good. He's one of the, he's said some of the funniest things I've ever heard in my entire life, <laughs> Rob Lynch. He's one of those whip crack kind so of guys. you guys from back home who I wouldn't have thought knew who he was. All right, yeah. his videos and stuff, I'm like, oh. Hmm. He's yeah, no, it's cool. Um, I, right. I think I could be wrong. That would be a full band show from Rob. Okay. In London, it probably is. Yeah, yeah. Because still, well, Tom, who I mentioned before, plays bass. Went in. Yeah, I imagine. Full band. Okay, so that'd be cool. Uh, and then on the Saturday, I won't list everyone, but there's like Burnt Tapes. Uh, there's Mylins playing. Yeah. Uh, Cheap Meat. Uh, Darko. Giants. Crazy Arm. Cool. Headlining. That is. Uh, and it's only thirteen quid for the two days. Where is? Um might as well Fest 2. That's the one. Is it the Macbeth? <laughs> Which is just down the Which road. Which is just down the road from here. I walked past it on the way here. You yeah. did? After the market. Sweet. So yeah, £13 for the two days or six quid for the Saturday night. Uh, Friday night, sorry. It's decent. There's a t- then prices in between. So I think that's quite good. Yeah. I think we're, we're, we'll be we're talking we're definitely going to go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you've got no excuse since you can spit to that venue. <laughs> this, this is house. true, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so what are we going to talk about now, Sam? I think you should talk about new releases, Darren. Oh, well, we've got a new release to talk about this week. 
Are there you interested in hearing what it is? Yeah. Yes, go on. It's the King Blues off with their heads. Oh, um, well, I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, off with their heads. <laughs> off with their heads, yeah. Uh, surprised uh, released last Friday on uh, on the old Spotify's. Um, everyone heard it? Kind of short for an album. Uh, it's an EP. That's probably why. That's yeah, what they're calling it. <laughs> seven, I, see, I, seven, I think seven tracks is pushing a bit of the, uh, like an EP length. But yeah, it's, it's mini it's album. We used to call those mini albums. Mini albums, albums yeah. I, I, think an, I, <laughs> yeah. I think an EP is like four tracks, four or five tracks. Um. <laughs> anyway, so everyone's had a listen? Everyone's I had a listen, I had a listen yeah. yeah. Cool. What was everyone's thoughts? I thought some uh, last song, Klaus, really liked the last song. Yeah. I listened to that a few times on its own. Um, like, was it something? Uh, oh, I can't remember. I've got them written down somewhere. Hang on. Like but uh, it kind of like. It was either real high tempo punk, like yeah. hard punk. Oh, pure fucking love is that last pure track. Pure fucking yeah. love. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that one. Um, or like a very s- soft sort of acoustic-y yeah. track. There wasn't really anything halfway for me. Like there uh, wasn't like any of the older sort of King Blues where well, it's do you not older think kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, yeah, exactly that. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, there's there's not there's not like the reggae stuff that they sort of. Uh, have done in the past but I thought like I thought Starting Fires was a bit sort of I think it's a reggaeton in German oh. <laughs> but yeah and this is where you should definitely play some reggae <laughs> um, yeah I thought I thought Starting Fires was the more kind of like this is a track rather than something yeah the specifically like an acoustic song or a, like a, a like a rappy yeah, punk yeah. song <laughs> so that, yeah that's that's the closest to like Boulder or something yeah like yeah well I've got I actually written down that reminds me most of Save the World Um, what about you Chris what do you think I I really enjoyed half of it Um, which half I can't remember the specific songs (laughs) to be honest I'm with Darren I like the last song a lot yeah yeah, I mean the the songs I didn't like I didn't hate or anything but like um, so the the fella Itch he kind of he he raps quite a lot doesn't he yeah a little bit to say I don't like rap music is an an understatement you know so I had <laughs> issues for that sometimes, but like you, you know, there's not, a lot of good choruses going on. Do you not get on, on with like rap in any context? Like, so what about like Lincoln Park, for example? What about in the bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> um, I like to lay it down no, a little. Can you? I mean, that's, I, I, that's I'm a like, terrible example. The reason I hate Lincoln Park. Okay, The only time I enjoy a bit of rapping is uh, you know the, those little snippets in Zebrahead every now and then. <laughs> no, no. But or maybe there's one Coolio song I like. You know, that's the thing. Like, yeah, go on. Zebrahead, I think's funny comp- compared to what Itch does. I think Itch is a lot better at it, or it's more convincing. Yeah, I think. Well, I think that's. Uh, him. I, mean, I mean, I don't think he tries to force it. I think he just no, does yeah, what, he's, what, I mean. what he's because he's yeah. done a bit of grime stuff, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he, did, he did his solo with John Feldman. Actually, I think yeah. Itch's <laughs> Itch like rap credentials are definitely not under the spotlight here. He's he's, I think, a phenomenal rapper. Yeah. I mean, okay, you know, in my opinion, I think his lyrical style is pretty fantastic and ever since day one I think he's had uh, just an incredibly natural rhythm to his not yeah. just his you know delivery and music but his speech everything if you speak to him it's you hang on every word pretty much the guy has really? a massive, so, yeah, yeah, do, massive do you know presence. him like, yeah well okay. I wouldn't say I know him now I haven't spoken to him for a long time pretty yeah. much since he moved to the states but um, one of the first tours I ever did was with Itch really yeah and um, 
just really inspiring guy to be around, especially okay. in the early days of me doing anything acoustic, just yeah. getting to be around him and seeing his process, especially with writing. He was a huge influence. Um, but, you know, looking at that transition, like you say, from the more reggae kind of stuff like Music Man right up into this extremely angry, mm. viscerally delivered, you know, real vocal punch, I think is is just a really interesting thing to look at as, you mm-hmm. know, as, as a fan. Um, and, you know, I, I can't say I'm as interested now as I was before in the King Blues necessarily with the Reformation and stuff I still think they're great people still love them all as people but um, just the first thing that hit me was the anger and I thought wow yes that's that's definitely very genuine anger there Yeah, and that goes a long way with me Um, and yeah I love the way he he delivers that's cool yeah that's Um, very true if I I don't believe you you ain't got a chance yeah absolutely I think you always like you said you hang on itches every word yeah, yeah, and you, I think you do believe what he's singing. I don't think any of it's fake. I should say as well, a one rap song I did quite enjoy is on Itch's solo record. They had a song with Matt, yeah, Matt, Matt Yahoo, you know the um, the Jewish uh, rapper. No, um, uh, yeah, I do. Uh, but that song's catchy as fuck. I did quite enjoy that. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, yeah, can I'm, I uh, intervene here? A little yeah, bit? yeah. Or interject. That's a better word, isn't it? <laughs> to break it up. <laughs> <laughs> Time to intervene. <laughs> See, like me and language only goes so far before I like start cussing. Um, Are you rapping right now? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> Can you just give me a little beat? No. Um, me and uh, Mr. Russo here actually yeah. went to King Blue's first ever show. Their, what, their first ever show Itch, as a band? Itch's Itch Itch first ever venture as the King Blues. Really? Yep. King Django, I think it was last gang in town gig at Man on the Moon. Fucking long, oh, long man, time ago. Nice. And I only noticed because... Brother Anton told us because um, I think he jumped on that tour with you, didn't he? Just yes, he did. Tags, he came. Yeah, yeah, he little, came with little tag along. Um, <laughs> that was awesome. Stealing shit as he goes. <laughs> yeah, he really did as well. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Anton and Louise. I fucked up last time I shouted them out. Oh, you did, didn't you? Love you guys. Lisa, what's he called Louise again? What's <laughs> up, like, my brother Lisa <laughs> and his girlfriend Antoine? <laughs> No, no, I called Anton Lisa. <laughs> anyway, I was like, not even trying. I think I had a coffee. Um, oh, that'll do it. So yeah, that's a, a little link for you. Yeah. We saw his Let's, first ever show. Can you, guys, man. can you help me out? Because I'm man, not sure. King Django, who were like Hellcat, we only went because they were on Hellcat. Yeah, I remember that, but it was, what was it? You Itch, bought a Trojan Jamie. band uh, badge. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah, that's the only thing I can But what, what was the, what was the King Blues lineup? Was it full lineup? No, it's just him and his little uke. Oh, Oh fuck me! I don't remember that, that at all. When when was that? Like what? Two thousand and four, five, something. Then, yeah, was it before even two thousand? <laughs> no, it would have been two thousand. You wouldn't have been allowed out before two thousand. We a bottle of Jack Daniels in and didn't buy any drinks. That's what we did. <laughs> wow, that's expensive. What was I doing for a living? <laughs> I need to go back to that. I mean, it was one bottle between eight. All <laughs> oh, right, well that makes sense. Two pounds each. Um, that blow you away, yeah? Yeah, yeah clearly. Blew me yeah, away. Yeah. Everyone here in this room is flawed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, remember, I remember King Blues from like back in sort of It's not a competition. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm just saying. We I'm, did see the first one. Yeah, all right. So therefore, if it wasn't a competition, me and Sam would win. I wasn't... All right. I'm Itch's dad. I won't tell you <laughs> so my story. I win. No, go on, what's your story, Quinn? No, it's just that I was just going to say, like, I, I, I remember King Blues back when they were like doing acoustic stuff in the alleyway yeah. outside 12 Bar and shit. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Before, yeah, yeah. before, like, Save the World, Get the Girl came out and just when they were, yeah, when it was just like the two or mm. three of them. 
Um, I I good... that, was, that was really quite cool because they do a show and then they just go and do another show outside the venue. Yeah, just non stop. Yeah, and he just constantly doing that all over all over town. One um, of the best things when we did that first ever tour, um, I'd never really played with like a proper musician before. Darren, I'm sorry. I mean, like, <laughs> I'd, never, I'd never played with like anyone who was you know recognized as a musician you know yeah I mean? yeah and itch was you know they were right on the cusp of releasing save the world get the girl and mm. uh he wasn't allowed to like uh, he wasn't really allowed to play any of the songs from that record or you know really talk about it on tour because it yeah. was coming up you know some bullshit industry thing and uh so to counter that he just burned a load of cds of the record and took them on tour with him <laughs> <laughs> just gave them away yeah it was amazing i and, imagine that being something that he'd do yeah, I mean, obviously because yeah. he did it, but that just is such an itch. He just took a fucking shoebox yeah. full of burnt CDs and gave them away at the end of it, and it was all squats or or little cafes or places like that, and it was really fun. And one, of the, two of the things I really remember vividly is, you know, we were talking earlier about um, writing and, and writing all the yeah. time and yeah, stuff sure, like that. Well, sure. he he gave me the best piece of advice. He said that you should just write every single day, no matter if it's you know if it's nothing, if it feels like nothing, if it seems like nothing, it might become something later. Uh, even if it's a shopping list, you know, whatever, you have to write something every day. And that was massive to me at the time. I think he, I think he knew he was giving me some advice that I hadn't heard before. Oh, okay. But the, the best thing that happened on that tour, we were staying in Norwich after a show and he, in the morning, he was pulling his trousers on and he just stopped halfway and went, oh dear. <laughs> and I said, what's wrong? And he said, I can't move my hand. <laughs> And I said, what do you mean? He showed me his hand and he it could slowly like, he slowly regained the ability to move all but one of his fingers. I think it was the ring finger on his left hand. Um, and he just couldn't move it. And I thought, oh shit, you've just dislocated it. We'll just give it a waggle. Sure. And I said, bite this and we'll, we'll do it. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it just didn't go back into place. It wouldn't move. And I was like, well, that's not dislocated then. I don't know what it is. That's, that's my medical knowledge. If it's not dislocated, I don't yeah. know what it is. Cut it off. Yeah, exactly. So we talked about amputation. Obviously, it wasn't an option. So <laughs> we, we got him in the van and we had to go to hospital in the end. He didn't want to, but we went. And it turned yeah. out he had this weird condition called mallet finger. It's just where one of the tendons, like it doesn't sever, but it just boop, just stops working. Oh, like moves, moves out the way or something. And his, his finger didn't work. And I was just you know completely anxious and insane and I was like oh god we're gonna have to cancel which can't play oh no and uh he was very calm very mellow he was like it's gonna be fine we'll just go back to the house we went back to the house and he relearned every single song left-handed that's that's quite impressive he (laughs) restrung the acoustic guitar and the ukulele and played everything left-handed relearned his whole set one day (laughs) that's cool that's a cool story to be honest Three chords, but no, I'm joking. <laughs> the, the, only, the only story I've got about it is the first time I met him, I was hitting on his girlfriend at the house they were living in at the time. I didn't realise it was his girlfriend, but we were like bonding you know, over. a class character. <laughs> <laughs> we I bond- didn't realise. Well, she, she got talking to me about Coxbarrow because she was wearing a Coxbarrow t-shirt. Was you wearing a hat? I wasn't wearing the hat, no. Oh, yeah. But we got chatting about it. wearing the hat now. Yeah, I'm always wearing the hat. But then we went into we went into her room to look up Coxbow on the because uh, they, 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 they had a new album coming out and I was like oh, let's see if we can find it online and then like after about ten minutes Hitch comes in and go oh, alright mate <laughs> like oh hi and then yeah I really <laughs> thought that was going somewhere you like, can you fuck off yeah. <laughs> <laughs> moving on right uh, so Blue's album yeah EP everyone enjoyed it yeah yeah, yeah. I cool. haven't heard it I want to go on record as saying oh okay. By have you not have you not heard the the like the they did that video? Have you not I've seen, seen the, the video? video yeah. yeah, James showed me the video actually midweek. James Hull, sorry, so, he couldn't be here today. I think I think that was a <laughs> I, I think that was <laughs> motherfucker. I think that was the wrong choice of song to lead 
for the album. Like it's very, yeah, I agree. With it's that. very provocative. Well, you but, can bring that up with Jamie, but it doesn't. I will. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But it doesn't. Um, it doesn't represent the the EP. I don't think in any way because none of the other songs are yeah, really like I'd that. I agree with that. Um, but it. it it's ma- it, it makes a little statement though. Oh, well, so, definitely. Um, as a lead single, it's the most back. attention grabbing. Yeah, yeah, it does do that, and I, I get that, but I think it misrepresents what the rest of the year Grabs is. you by the balls, doesn't it's, it? There's quite, quite a few uh, love tunes on there, you know? It's yeah, well, it is a, is a classic King Blues set of songs. Like, it re- that, that EP represents everything that the King Blues are, I think, bar like the really reggae stuff that they have done. Reggaeton in German. <laughs> um, but otherwise, I think it's great. Uh, I really, I really like how every song has got its own theme and its own sound. Do you know who put it out? It was released on their label, Meatball Records, mm. uh, with the physical release coming out next Friday on the 26th through Speech Development Records. Oh, sweet. That's Scroobius Pip's label. Yes. Oh, cool. You should get Scroobius Pip on here. He's got his own podcast. It's fucking banging. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. one of the best podcasts I've ever heard. I saw, saw Scroobius... Distraction pieces, yeah? Yeah. yeah I saw Scroobius Pip support... Uh, you're going to laugh at me now, um, but support um, Billy Bragg uh, at the Roundhouse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, that's a legendary show. Yeah, uh, but I, I did not get Scroobius Pip that night. I mean, this was about eight years ago or something. Yeah. He transcends um, a lot of genders, right? He like, genders? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Scroobius Pip, gender so many genders, mate. He's, he's phenomenal. The guy, I think, might be a genius. He's one of those guys who, in my experience, has got a lot of time for everyone which is virtually impossible he knows nowadays. a lot of shit as well he's, he's very very smart I, he was playing at Reading one year and I was lingering around and he was walking from his dressing room to the stage and the way he dressed just blew me away he was wearing like a suit with the top button done up and a trucker cap and he had a huge beard and like plaid trousers and then he had a briefcase that he handcuffed to his hand right. and he was walking along and I thought holy shit that's Scroobius Pip he's walking to the stage and before I could even finish that thought I'd said hello and been that dick who disrupts <laughs> the guy going to the stage and he had like he just stopped and talked to me for a good couple of minutes about his set and what yeah. he was going to do and, and then he gets on stage and he unlocks the briefcase and the mic comes out and he just rages and I thought that's incredible he's so eloquent and you know so well informed and so brave as well he's, he's, he brings up a lot of topics that a lot of people wouldn't touch I yeah, think he's sure. a very smart guy he seems like a, a, a good dude yeah true artist he's incredible yeah oh, we're sparking the spark and it's starting to glow we don't know where we are but we got to go Gotta get out of this dying town Soon there won't be anyone else around I walk in the dark so baby don't blind me In the heat of the night yeah that's where you'll find me Starting fires Petrol Girls there's an EP released they only came out yesterday but it's been streaming for a week okay um, you've listened to it haven't you I haven't listened to it but I got to hear quite a few things. oh songs. you saw them play they supported HTO yeah. and I think I see Petrol Girls uh, they supported Apologies a couple of years ago at Christmas Day I think I'll be yeah honest. I mean they've oh been, yeah, yeah I, that. I got a feeling can I, can I say my bit yeah <laughs> go on right, cheers so um 
uh, a couple of years ago I wasn't really feeling it at all don't know just wasn't wasn't my sort of thing but like f- for me anyway the new stuff was sick it's like I lot like refused in it like some really cool like guitar yeah. parts and the, just uh, don't know really really dug it really 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 dug it yeah I, I'm going to say the same thing. I saw them the first time I saw them. I, I want to say it was their first show. I might be wrong. It might, but it was very, very early on. It was an Asprey Castle show. Rivalries played. So this would have been like 2013, either the tail end 2013 or early 2000. And, no, it wouldn't be in early 2014. Yeah, early 2014. Mm. Um, and they played, and they weren't brilliant. Like they were still sort of the drummer couldn't play drums I can't I can't remember who it was on drums I think it's the girl from Shot what's her name I don't know um, James would have known last <laughs> week I don't fucking know uh, <laughs> but anyway um, and I mean it was the, they were a good band like they were just shouting and angry and yeah. that was that but now they've completely changed turned that around they've got some like people that can play in the band um, which I think does Ren all the world good. She's a phenomenal singer and guitarist she's and songwriter. Good, she's really good on stage. Yeah, really she she's player. she's amazing. Um, and I'm just glad that they've actually been able to turn that around from something that was a bit shit to something that I the now I really like this EP. I think it's the the best thing I've heard all I week. Might have personally, totally made this up, but I think they've got some like a few Swedish. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think they've got some Swedish members in. Uh, yeah, I think so. Well, Ren's I think Ren's German. Um, so uh, there's definitely a whole European vibe going on in that band yeah. Um, but yeah I think it's great like it's like I say it's sort of refused D but I, I really like the way that they they blend like sort of hardcore shouty vocals with like really nice melodic singing mm. and there's like there's we've on one of the songs in particular um, I can't remember which track it is now uh, Separated I think it is there's a bit of a doe vibe going on where it's like both Ren and uh, the male singer like harmonising together and it sounds fucking phenomenal and then it just goes into this like shouty chorus again I think mm. it's awesome no, no, they were really really good when they split hatched away so yeah, if, yeah. I'm if, just, if I'm, they can capture what I saw and put it on record that'd be wicked I think they probably have my, my only criticism of the EP is that the mix isn't brilliant like the vocals get a little bit lost sometimes and it's sometimes a little bit too distorted well, Almost like, take that up with their producer. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like they need a live album. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Maybe with some horns. Yeah, they can do it when they're over in uh, in May. We'll yeah, just yeah. Sam Russo, the the solo artist. When when did that start being a thing? And were you in the band prior to that? No. Okay. So you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I was. I was in a band with. I was in a couple of bands before I started playing uh, solo acoustic stuff. I was in one with Darren, ladies right. and gentlemen. 
Derek oh, Smith. that guy. Bonjour. President yeah. Correct. Bonjour, bonjour. Um, called Eight Lives Left, uh, but I got kicked out. Oh, you were in that band? Yes. No, I mean, apologies, Dan. I'm sure you've told me this before, but... Um, oh, okay. Why did you get kicked out? Uh, I was just too hardcore, I think, was the general consensus. You moved to your university. <laughs> yeah, I left. Yeah, okay. I left. I had to move. Okay. Uh, were you in the band at the point when um, we got Fantastic sat- gave it- you the subpar review? Or was that uh, after your time? That was probably after. After. That was after, yeah. We okay. were getting rave reviews when I was, <laughs> when I was rocking the X. And what, what kind of music was Eight Lives Left again? Uh, it was really good, like melodic, hardcore punk kind of stuff. It and then when I left, it went straight punk. emo. Went oh, okay. Straight emo. Straight Just emo, which is fine. You know, everyone loves a bit of emo. Uh, but before that, I was in a band called oh, yeah, Cry sure. for Vengeance. Oh, yeah. A righteous punk band, really good punk band. Uh, I think maybe we were a little bit ahead of our time because it was three guys and a drum machine. Oh, uh, wow. We, we couldn't find drummers to save our lives. Like we had all these practices. We practiced in my, my dad had a yard where mm-hmm. he kept all his like building supplies. And we practiced in there and it was obviously like freezing cold, barely enough power to run a couple of hours. <laughs> right. We'd get these drummers to come and audition and it was just like a parade of complete mayhem. We had a guy who quite literally couldn't drum set his drums up <laughs> look really pro yeah all the key yeah, you know, yeah. tune everything was like boom 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 and then we started playing and he went and we just stopped and he put his sticks down and went guys I'm going to level with you I can't play drums thanks for thanks for wasting our time buddy and he packed up and left next week we had this this girl came and set up her drums we were like fucking awesome she's going to be great look at her she's perfect she's going to be amazing this is awesome she knows what she's doing she started playing she was absolutely brilliant we we're all completely yeah. like yes this is the best and then she got into a massive fight with our guitar player will and pinned him against the wall in a chokehold <laughs> yeah and then said Can you yeah. remember what the fight was over or? he he said something like nice drumming and she just <laughs> flew him and then she she pinned him against the wall and had this massive rant and she just got out of the army and she was really angry and she said I'll be right back I've just got to work this out and she went and did chin ups on this girder for about five minutes and then she did like one arm press ups for another like five minutes and then came back and carried on drumming and we were just like I think you're a bit too extreme for this <laughs> and we, we had like an old man showed up who loved like jazz drumming and he held the sticks like you know like old <laughs> yeah, chopsticks yeah, yeah. and he was dogs. like yeah, yeah. So that didn't really work out. So we got uh, the guitar player's dad, Will's dad, Colin, to to buy this drum machine. So we had no money. We bought this drum machine, and uh, it was one of those like, like that's all you could do basically. And, sure. and he would just stand on stage and press the button. So he was called Colin Tron, the drum machine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, apart from having a drum machine played by a forty odd year old man, it was um, it was quite punk. <laughs> Sounds um, it. So. Sorry, do you say these? There were two, two bands before you started. Yeah, there was a couple of other like little in betweeny projects okay. that didn't really go anywhere. But so when when did you think like I don't need these fucking Fuck other is. people? Uh, like well, fucking it like some yeah. idiots like Darren and all that. I I'm never. Do, I'm gonna like, like, like when yeah when did sadly I've never happening? I've never thought that I always wanted to be in a band. I always loved playing in a band okay. more than anything. But yeah. I just never it's never worked out. Like I kept being in these bands that would just dissolve and it never went anywhere, and I got frustrated because I really sure. wanted to tour. Yeah, was my main goal was to tour. Uh, so I, I'd write these songs on acoustic guitar and I'd try and take them to these bands and nothing would come out of it so mm-hmm. I just thought well I'll, I'll, I'll just play it myself so I played it a couple of parties just played a few songs that I'd written I was living I was sort of staying at my grandma's house for a while and it was really quiet and it was great because there was no one around like quite a big family living in a little caravan at the time so I was staying with her and 
just playing in a little bedroom and I just realized that they were kind of standalone they could work on their own I didn't need a band so oh, yeah. Yeah. I played them at a couple of parties and quite legendarily failed I got shit thrown at me and even my best friends were like no you should just quit and <laughs> someone smashed a pumpkin on my head while I was playing really? once yeah that was a lot of fun um, so what, what I've, got, the, I've got images yeah. of this being like that, that scene in that like rodeo bar in um, in uh, what's it the Blues Brothers yeah it's like people just throwing <laughs> yeah, glass without, bottles yeah, without yeah. Chicken, chicken wire, wire. <laughs> imagine that without chicken wire that's exactly what it was like <laughs> Um, so, so did, did you have a moment after that where you're like oh maybe I won't do this yeah so I we- sucked I was dreadful I was really bad at writing songs and playing and singing like, I was such a bad singer and it was my friend Adam sort of like took me to one side one day and physically slapped me and was like you just need to get more serious you just right. need to be serious you need to write what you actually care about so what, what were you writing about then like what were some of the songs you sort of written? I mean I was writing about what I knew about at the time I was writing about I was sort of living between Cambridge, between Haverhill, between this village called Keddington. I didn't really have anywhere that I felt like I fitted in. I wasn't really doing very well in life. And I was just trying to kind of create a world that that made sense through song. Okay. And I was writing, I invented all these weird characters. And it was kind of like really early Hold Steady before I'd even heard the Hold Steady. I kind right, of invented right. this little world. Well, the, well, what period are we talking here, by the way? What, where, what oh, year are we in? Well, well, I was, yeah, yeah, it was during the Gothic period. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Transylvanian. Uh, well, I must have been 17, so I was born in... It was after that, man. Really? Yeah. Cause are you, I, so I was are you two the same age? Huh? Are you two the same age? Oh! Behave? Yes. Yes, we are. In fact, I'm younger sleep, than Darren. <laughs> I had a hard paper round. I'm younger than Darren. You <laughs> fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like two years old, right? This is radio. Don't ruin the illusion. <laughs> I'm young and gorgeous. Wearing a leather jacket, smoking a cigarette. No, I don't know. I must have been. I was 17 when I wrote the song that yeah. I thought could be like on its own. But okay. I definitely didn't start playing properly solo until I was 23, 24. Okay. Um, I, think, I think that's a good, a, a good point because you were always doing stuff. Yeah. But it was always, you were kind of making a joke of yourself. Yeah, it was definitely not, not like serious. You weren't a joke band. Yeah. But you weren't, you weren't doing it legit. And then, I don't know, you went away. Did a little time. As you do. As in prison. Um, and then you came back with, you just, you're doing it. It's well, yeah, it was difficult because to start with, I felt like I was doing something worthwhile, but everyone was saying, you know, you're being an idiot. Like, this doesn't sound like you. This isn't true, blah, right. blah, blah. And I thought, wow, I'm actually putting everything I've got into this and nobody likes it, so it must be shit. And then, you know, like Darren says, I had some time out and then I came back and uh, just wrote with a kind of, just a different bent. I just came from it from a completely different angle and I yeah. uh, just found found a way to, to put what I was feeling into song that resonated with other people a bit more. And I still write silly songs like I did back then. I still write songs that mean something to me and nobody else. Right. But, you know, nobody wants to hear that shit. So <laughs> I just play the stuff that, you know, a very select few people seem to want to hear. And Darren was part of that. Darren would, would say to me like yeah yeah that was a song uh, you should try and do something very different <laughs> to what you just did and it was helpful it, for me you kind of you kind of like because you, you were doing like the against me kind of early stuff like the um, reinventing Axel Rose yeah sure you were doing that stuff for a long time and that yeah, that got you a bit of playing Radio 1 and stuff yeah but then I don't what think was you, that, I, Mike Davies yeah yeah, yeah. Mike Davies picked yeah. up on that first EP and liked it yeah. that's really cool I don't even think that was what Got ya? Nah. Where? What's going on now? That that never me, felt true to me. You slowed it down and started doing more. That's a bullshit term. 
like songwriting stuff. Yeah, well, that's what I wanted to be. I always wanted. I still want to just want to be a songwriter. I still mm. want to be someone mm. who can who can just write a song that's worth worth a shit. But it, yeah, you're right. Even when that I was working in this warehouse, this is one of the weirdest things that ever happened. You, you, I was in a position where I felt so far from everything musical. I was working in a warehouse in Haverhill on the edge of the industrial estate where nothing artistic has ever happened. Literally ever. <laughs> okay. And I was stacking these... Oh, no, actually, we were taking apart this warehouse because it was a, the business was folding. It was a scrapbooking place. So I was packing paper onto a forklift and putting the forklift onto the truck and driving the truck and coming back and doing the same thing all day, every day. Yeah. And this lady came in and I, I was left alone all the time just to pack down this warehouse and I had the stereo on full volume and I was playing, uh, I was playing the Pogues. And she said, oh, I love the Pogues. My husband loves the Pogues. And we just started talking and she bought all her you know, discount crap. And, yeah. and she was like, you should, you should, um, you know, you should email my husband. Because we started talking and I said I played music and I had a demo. And she was like, you should email my husband. He'd love to hear it. If it's anything like the Pogues, he'll love it. She gave me this card and it, was, it said Warren Ellis. It was Warren Ellis's wife, the guy who wrote uh, Transmetropolitan, the, guy, the, the graphic novel artist. He wrote mm. Crooked Little Vein. He wrote, he wrote all these great books. And... I thought, what? And she just drove away and I stood there <laughs> dumbstruck staring at it and I was like, oh shit, this could actually be something. And, you know, I sent him my demo and he played it on his podcast and then that made me think, shit, maybe it is worth something. So I sent it to Radio 1 and it got played on Radio 1 and the whole time I was thinking, this isn't even the best I've got. This is like the, right. the like rip-off shit that I'm doing that other people said they'd like. So, after all that, I wrote some stuff that I thought was worth something, sent it to the same sort of people and nobody really cared. <laughs> Sifted by the wayside again and went through that whole process again and then just spent time writing some things that became uh, an EP called Duck and Doors. Uh, I can't remember what year that was either. Um, that was after the first EP was called Rock Steady Pickpocket. The second one was called Duck and Doors. Uh, and then I did some splits and I did uh, another EP called Manchester, another EP... Uh, called oh no split with James Hole called Bail Bonds it nice. was a lot of fun and then eventually I put out Storm and that's when I felt like I'd written something that was true to who I was okay. and, and might might play out live so what, what, what year did that come out? Storm was in what are we 2012. 2012 but let's not fuck about you had some pretty good people you did some splits with Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> oh, is he? Is he kind of? Have you glossed over like yeah, some cool? Yeah, yeah. Like, all right, we, yeah, let's hear those. We, we've yeah. done some cool stuff. Well, we Sam has done some. Cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not part of it. You can do my discography. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so talk about how did some of them come around. What Brandon, the oh, that was Chuck that Reagan was stuff. Oh right, well yeah, the Chuck split. Jesus Christ, that feels like a, a whole different thing. Uh, I had these. I had these demos. Uh, that were what I was gonna I was gonna record on Storm. There were three or four songs I wanted to put on Storm, and I was kind of sending them around to people that I respected for opinions and stuff. Yeah. And one of those people was Jimmy Islip, uh, you know, the mighty, incredible, awesome Jimmy Islip, one of my favorite songwriters of all time. And um, he kind of passed it on to a friend of a friend. And eventually, this I got this email from Chuck Reagan. Very <laughs> <that laughs> mind. Was that quite a shock when you got that out of nowhere? Yeah, well, much. to you out of nowhere at least. Absolutely know? knocked me for six. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah. The only emails I was getting was like cease and desist orders. Cease and desist <laughs> orders. Uh, you know, final notices, uh, debt stuff. And um, so it said Chuck Reagan from the sender. Or it said, you know, it said his email, and then it said. Hey, from Chuck or something. I clicked on it and I thought, I want a load of bullshit. Someone's fucking yeah, with me. And yeah, I, I read yeah. it and it was like, love your songs, buddy. <laughs> we got to do a split. 
we're, we're building a boat. And I thought, Jesus Christ, <laughs> it actually is Chuck Reagan. So, uh, you know, I replied and said, oh, yes, I'd love to. Thank you, Chuck. <laughs> and um, eventually, between the four of us, me, Jimmy, Chuck, and Helen Chambers, we put together what we thought was like, what, what we three thought was our best. And then Chuck covered a Helen song and, and did another song and put it together for a split, uh, split LP. And Andrew from Specialist Subject was really up for putting it out. So he, he put it out. And I recorded it in, you know, a couple of takes in my friend Jules's bedroom uh, mm-hmm. in Haverhill, where I live still. Uh, and it was insane. Like, it was the first thing I'd ever really properly put out. So I could hold it in my hands and I could look at the sleeve and I could turn the record over. And, and yeah, that made me like close to Chuck in this insane way. Like, this guy had idolized my entire life. That is impressive. Had you, had you met him before? Uh, I think I'd met, in, I'd met him like uh, in passing at like a hot water show and a yeah, truck show yeah, and just gone hello oh my god <laughs> yeah. and like I'd given him a t-shirt before and you know, stupid shit like that but being Chuck he obviously remembered you know, Chuck values people I think in a way that you just don't get anymore in music and he remembered and you know that's he, cool he, he, he took my word for it and was like okay I'm gonna actually check your music and he did he, he listened to my music and that's nobody sad. does that you never yeah. say to a guy Hi, I'm Sam Russo. I play acoustic music. Here's the demo. And they actually listen to it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Whizzes out the window on some motorway and lands in a ditch. And never gets <laughs> but Chuck actually must have listened to it and thought it was good. So uh, I owe a massive debt of gratitude to Chuck Reagan. And not just for that, but for all the inspiration over the years, all the lyrics and all the stories as well. People tell me stories about Chuck Reagan that still mm. still drive me crazy and still just fill me up and make me, think, make me feel amazing. Uh, He's uh, truly incredible. Have you played shows with him? I I got really lucky and, and opened one of his shows at the at the windmill once and That's then cheap. and then he asked me if I would be like a special guest on the revival tour in London at Shepherd's Bush. Um, oh wow! Which is probably the it was easily the most insane night of my entire life. Yeah. I, I just sort of. I was in two minds as to whether I should even do it the whole way there. I was on the train. I was like, I really don't want to do this. This is terrifying. I was on the tube and I was like, I just definitely shouldn't do this. This is the worst idea. And I was walking to the venue and I saw the sign. I was like, it's a Shepherd's Bush Empire. You're a fucking idiot. Just go home. And then before I knew it, I was in there. Chuck gave me a a pint of... pint of Guinness and was like just get out (laughs) he gave me a pint of Guinness and he said just get out there and do what you want to do and the way the revival tour was running then it was uh, well it was Chuck Dave Hawes uh, Dan Andriano and uh, Brian Fallon nobody's yeah, yeah. <laughs> bunch of no, talentless nobodies. Bunch yeah, of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I stood in this dressing room surrounded by these people in a completely other world. There was shit going on in there. There was hummus. There was. <laughs> There's always hummus backstage at <laughs> yeah. shows these days. No, but there was like a rail of of clothes. You could like help yourself to clothes, and you could, you could. There was a fridge full of beer, and Brian Fallon said to me, "You want to go outside for a cigarette?" And I was like. Uh, looking over my shoulder thinking you can't mean me and we just went outside and talked me and Brian Fallon wow uh, what was he he like Uh, if I'm completely honest Mm -hmm. daunting (laughs) he would he would smoke a cigarette and stare you in the eyes the whole time and listen to what you were saying then he'd flick it against the wall and before it even hit the floor he'd have another one out and he'd be talking to you in this intense way that's how you get that voice (laughs) yeah right (laughs) Too right, but he had these stories, and he was so engaging. And everyone yeah. was after a little piece of Brian Fallon, and for some bizarre reason, he had all the time in the world to talk to me and Jimmy and Helen, and he would just That's hang awesome, out. Isn't it? And the same with Dan. It was one of the first proper times I've met Dan Andriano. We became great Cause, friends. Cause you're friends with him now, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And he was like, "You want this jacket?" <laughs> and I said, "What do you <laughs> mean?" Like, an impression that. Uh, 
it's just not me. And he took this jacket off and gave it to me. And obviously I've just fucking hung it on a hanger and I basically pray to the east of that jacket. Um, I just felt like a huge dork in that dressing room. So I left and I went and stood by the side of the stage and waited for the show to start. And when it did start, it was obviously packed at Shepherd's Bush Empire. It's like mm-hmm. 2,000 people. I don't know what yeah. the cap is. And there's this schedule. I'll never forget the schedule on the wall is like all the, the set list of something that everyone, everyone's going to play from start to finish. And it says who's singing on what. And it's all handwritten by Chuck in pen. And yeah. it looks awesome. Like I can still remember seeing it. And he was like, you see this? This is the schedule. And I was like, okay, what the fuck? And he's like, you're here. I said, okay. And he was like, you can sing on anything you want to sing on. Just walk out there. And I was like, well, I can't fucking do that, Chuck. And he was like, just do it. Just walk out there. And I went on stage and I sang Coma Girl by Joe Strummer with Dave Hawes and Dan Adriano. I fucking, I went out there and sang like three Chuck songs. I just, I just felt it. I just ran out and did it. And then I did a couple of my own songs. Jimmy did uh, Dirty Old Town and one of his songs and we all sang on that. And Helen did two of her songs. It was just this huge, like, when Chuck calls it the camaraderie, he's not fucking around. It's it's such an incredible feeling of movement being a part of that. Yeah. Even if I was just like a you know, two-minute flash in the pan on the stage, his, his, like, juggernaut that is the revival tour is just such a massive, like, force of human emotion. It was incredible to be a, a part of it for just one night. It was sure. amazing. What an experience. Yeah, it was wild. It was incredible. It was how how like long it. ago was this? Oh shit, I don't know, uh, 2000, what is it now, 16, 2016? Probably right. 2012, just before okay. I put Storm out, I think. Yeah. I went for a pint at the pub next door, I can't remember what it was called, with John Gaunt, the fiddle player, who I've idolized my entire life. He's just a, a you know a god of a fiddle and, and violin and he, a real, real gentleman. And I had a beer with him and I was like, John, how do you do this every night? How do you go out there every single night and, and play these songs in front of all these people? And he just took a sip of his beer and was just like, you just have to do it. And I thought, oh, that's terrible advice. Thanks, man. it does nothing for me. But then I did. I stood at the threshold of where, you know, that massive blanket of spotlight hits the edge of the stage and you're in darkness. And then as soon as you step over that, 2,000 people could see you. And I was like, you just have to do it. You just have to do it. And before I knew it, I was doing it. And it, you know, it totally made me. It just made me realize that I could hold my own in front of 2,000 people if I wanted to. Uh, it's terrifying. Absolutely mortifying. I could never do it again. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, man. I've, I was just googling the revival tour, and uh, Selena Gomez has got a tour called the Revival Tour as well. <laughs> Righteous. Well, I think that's part of the next Chuck Reagan thing. Yeah. yeah. Good. Well, Chuck's obviously got a young family now, and he's busy with an, another business venture. But if he ever does revival tour again, I'll, I'll be throwing my hat. In. Why don't you spearhead it? Well, well, we do something called Survival Tour, oh, mm, which is okay. slightly different uh, in that we're very poor. and <laughs> uh, Paying people's living rooms. Pretty much. We did some house shows, yeah. But uh, me, Helen Chambers, uh, Kelly Kemp, Elle Morgan, Jimmy Islip, uh, Giles Bitter at, at one point, we all did a, a bunch of shows together. Just kind of a rolling format, people coming up, people going up. And Rue cool. Pescod. Rue Pescod did it too, playing piano. Um much obviously a million times smaller we played small venues and just tried to get people involved and, and do yeah. it you know it's just a silly name really for a tour with all our friends but yeah I think that's, that's, that's really cool though. Tour it's style. Kind of it, right? yeah. Yeah. we want to do that in Europe next year really we want to get all of us over to Europe and we want to hopefully get Chaz Palmer Williams and James Hull and just mm. do it as like a big you know nice. full on nice. a big drive awesome. yeah, yeah that's really cool so get- Storm was released on Red's Yes, yeah. yes it was. Am I making it up? Was there a Red Scare linked to Haverhill that isn't you? Um, 
You, if you know of one, it's new to me. Oh, I do a lot of things I probably shouldn't do. So I made made this up. <laughs> well, um, what's your? Come on, conspiracy theory. What is it? I just think I've seen a dude who used to live in Haverhill. Oh, Jay. Was, yeah. Yeah. There is absolutely no link there whatsoever. Jay uh-huh. used to live in Haverhill. He now lives in Colorado, uh, and he, I think he just kind of through this magical vicarious portal that is the internet still lives in Haverhill in a lot of ways. Jay, how you doing, brother? And uh, he's he's a big fan of punk rock, and uh, right. he he loves Tim Barry. He recently drove Tim Barry across state between shows. Just like, was like Tim, I'll drive you, and drove okay. him and talked about Haverhill, talked to Tim about Haverhill and us and. And everything else, and so he's like a, a weird expat kind of link. Okay, couldn't yeah. have less to do with Red Scare. He's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. I just, yeah, I saw something, thought something, added six to it, and came up. With well, that. the only thing that comes up if you type in Red Scare Haverhill into into the old <laughs> Googles is uh, a news article in the Cambridge News about Sam. And Cambridge, then, really? Uh, yeah, about some charity gig in 2014. Oh, yeah, did a real good charity gig. That was good. Uh, and then it's just all about the actual Red Scare in America in uh, during that period. Which is also a legitimate threat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that, there you go. Red Scare is a great, great label to be on, an awesome family of bands. And yeah, he's got, a, he's got cool. really good uh, uh, roster of bands. It's on. a ruthless roster of bands. Have all your I'm, recent releases been Yeah, uh, both them. my full lengths, um, yeah. Storm and Greyhound Dreams, have both been out on Red Scare in the US, um, which is insane, goes without saying. Yeah. Uh, that came about through, uh, played a show, but I played a tour with Brendan Kelly and Dan Andriano, and Brendan kind of acts as a, unofficial A&R guy for, for Red Scare oh yeah um, he would just call himself a professional drunk in that capacity he just <laughs> goes to shows and if he sees anything worth a shit he passes it on to Toby uh, Toby Toby Jeg Tobias Jeg from Red Scare and uh, played these shows with Brendan and we hit it off and just became you know fast friends it was great and he uh, for some reason passed on to Toby that he should put out a record by a completely unknown acoustic singer songwriter from England yeah and Toby was drunk enough to say yes uh, and he rang me he got my number and rang me while I was totally like down and out and just depressed as hell and out of work and living in Manchester just wandering around Manchester all day in the rain and my phone rang and uh, just some American numbers so I answered it and it was Toby and he was blasted drunk with Dave Hawes in a, in a toilet in a bar somewhere and they were both just shouting and singing my songs at me for some wow. reason. I was like, who is this? Stop this shit right now. This is boring. And he was like, hey man, it's Toby, Toby Jag. You know me, my friends with Brendan Kelly. I've got a little label here in Chicago. And I was like, Toby fucking Jag, what? And uh, he just said he'd love to put Storm out. And Fantastic. And then he did. And he's regretted it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> So that since was, since since Storm, what's there been? Obviously, we had the one last year. And yeah, Greyhound, Greyhound Dreams uh, is the the only other full length I've put out. Um, Has there been an EP or a split? Yeah, in a between split with those. Brendan Kelly called Split the Tip. Okay, um, which I'm a massive fan of. I love Brendan's songs on that. I think it's some of the best shit he's ever done. Um, one of the songs on there he recorded just at the end of a bar shift in the Ginger Man Tavern, which is where. Rizkaya kind of used to be ran out of a, a flat above that place. It's a great, right. great bar, great tavern. If you're ever, if anyone's ever in Chicago, I can't recommend it enough. Okay. It's the best, one of the best bars I've ever been in. And he just he finished a bar shift there and then took a booth and 
recorded this song you can hear people in the background you can hear like the regulars making noise at, at game shows and stuff it's great it's absolutely awesome it's such a you know all encapsulating recording of a moment um, and then there's a, another song on there that's all equally great um, and then my two songs were kind of like sort of demo versions for the next record um, but his stuff sounds incredible and I was really proud to be on a record with Brendan Kelly and mm-hmm. Lawrence Arms no, would be, yeah, yeah. one of my favourite bands of all time right. like, greatest story ever told is is like my bible as far as you know punk rock records go sure uh, it's completely mind blowing to, to be a part of anything that Brendan's got a hand in and he's a good friend now it's, it's crazy we became really good friends and it's very, pretty cool for you to be able to like say these people yeah like, genuinely I mean, it's your mates <laughs> it's like have you ever seen that movie Midnight in Paris of course yeah, yeah, the yeah, Alan yeah, movie yeah yeah, yeah, yeah the Owen Wilson bit, yeah. <laughs> there's this yeah. bit where Owen Wilson like lays down to go to bed he's like snuck in next to his fiance and he keeps traveling to the 20s yeah at midnight every night he travels yeah. to the 20s and lives and hangs out with Picasso and Hemingway and and all these Gertrude people, when he lays down, he's like, yeah, yeah. I hung out with Gertrude Stein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hemingway said he'd read my note. That's why I felt like every single night I was on tour with sure. Brendan Kelly, I'd sure. curl up next to him on the floor of some grotty little squat and she'd be like, I'm laying next to Brendan <laughs> <laughs> Such a fanboy. And then I went and had dinner with his family in Chicago and I was like, Brendan Kelly, Brendan Kelly, Brendan Kelly, Brendan Kelly. <laughs> it's extremely sad and very demoralizing, but a good friendship. <laughs> That's what, ace. What's the. Uh, Future going store buy a Hoxton gig. <laughs> I'm playing well, Manchester talk- Punk Festival. Huh? Manchester Punk Festival. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. That. Who, who else is on that? I'm, Not that I don't uh, care about you. And uh, I want to hear probably, about the others, probably because- some punk bands. I have no idea. Uh, uh, to be honest, I feel a little bit out of the loop these days at the moment. I've just been working and living and not doing an awful lot, like in any sort of public sense musically. I've been writing a lot. Yeah. looking at I want to put out another album by the summer if I can I've, as soon as that could, sorry, well I want to yeah but could, I don't know if that'll happen can we just talk about that that most recent one when, yeah great, uh, the Greyhound one when, when did that come out again uh, was that sort of was it around October last year Might yeah be, yeah okay mm, yes yes it was yeah it was October okay. last year yeah sorry how is the reception to that been I don't know man I don't I don't I try not to pay any attention to it to be totally honest uh, okay. as far as I'm concerned like Toby said he liked it it's okay. a direct quote yeah um, Andrew said it was fine Andrew a specialist <laughs> subject he also put it out in the UK and Europe um, as far as I'm aware uh, I'm really proud of it I, yeah I that was going to be my next question how yeah, do you feel about it now? I, songwriting wise I think it's the best stuff I've ever done okay um, and it was it was hard work it was a very hard record to write and record yeah. Tim Greaves at Darlington Studios did a great job recording it despite all my you know, neurotic mayhem that I brought with me. And we tried to record it. We had an aborted attempt at recording it. Me and Jules tried to record it in a church. Uh, I wanted to do like a really stripped down, spare, kind of pared down recording, just sitting in a pew, basically, with this big echoey kind of sound and make it sound really lonely. And it just didn't work. It was cold as balls and I couldn't move my fingers and nothing was working. (laughs) The, The equipment failed. Jules was exhausted. He just got back from some absurd, you know, traveling schedule. And it just didn't work and I almost gave up I thought like well this record's not meant to be it sounds dreadful like these songs are not good I beat myself up about it and then Tim just kind of came like an angel and just said come come down to Southsea and record in my house and we'll just do it and I did it in three days and three days really and they just all came together yeah well he, he he made it happen really if I'm honest Tim Greaves made it happen he just said look just do what you do just get up in front of that mic and just do it and if it yeah. doesn't sound good we won't we won't do anything with it if it does it does and 
it, he was so relaxed and so mellow in a way that I'd never experienced. It just worked. You know, we just made it happen. Is there any songs in particular that you're proud of? Oh, I mean, I don't want to be proud because you'll go to hell if you're proud, the Christians <laughs> say. Um, but I I really felt like I did something kind of different with, um, well, all of it. Like Dream All You Want felt different to me because uh, it was saying something I hadn't said before. You know, it was saying you should chase your dreams even if it means you're going to die poor and lonely because, you know, that's what life's all about. Mm -hmm. um, Eye Candy was a really tough one for me. I, I tried to write a song about domestic abuse, basically, from a female point of view. And that's not easy for a you know a male who's never experienced that. And I just I drew from from friends, from family, from different stories I'd heard, and, and tried to pull together a portrait of someone who was really struggling with that. And I, I tried to make it a, as real a song as I could. Mm. And uh, that was really that was a big challenge songwriting wise. So I felt like I did something with that. Um, and just recording sometimes in a way that felt legitimate, felt good because that's one of my favorite songs mm -hmm. that I've written. Um, uh, I mean, the whole record for me feels good, start to finish. Okay, I haven't really said that about anything before. For, for, as an outside listener, I thought it was um, it, it 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 really grows on you. Like for me, when like I first listened to it, the like the first song that jumped out was that Western Union song. Oh, like cool. it's just like the last. E song. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I didn't I didn't look at the record and thought well, I'm going to listen to it backwards. Yeah, sure. uh, I think it's because Absolute Punk or someone was like, oh right, yeah, they featuring it. it. Yeah, so, yeah. so I heard that song first, and sure. I, was, like, I thought that was like super catchy and easy to like and then oh, like on, on first listen to the record like I, it didn't land with me straight away but then revisiting it I was like well, oh, I this is cool you, you know, know James Hall with a lot of that that song yeah he talked he talked about that song when, when he was on yeah yeah, he, yeah. He, he had a massive massive part to play in, in that and all my songwriting James is one of my biggest influences he's ever since I heard his song White River Junction all I've wanted to do is write a song that good it, okay. it, it just moves me in a way that a lot of acoustic songs have never managed to do. The guy's right. a poet. He's a straight up, you know, modern, modern poet. And he, he just has this way with words and melody that I've just never heard. He's totally original in my book. He's like Tom Waits of acoustic punk, <laughs> you know, totally <laughs> wild. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's one of my favorite songs too, because I got to write it with one of my best friends. You yeah, just so don't get to do that every day. That one yeah. Yeah, I'm really happy with that record. I'm, I'm pleased that it exists. Now I'm haunted now by a love I can't forget. I am empty now and I don't want to ever, I don't want to ever feel again, again, again. I used to be somebody. I had a heart to be the man. I used to have somebody. Yeah, oh my. Okay, so that was Sam. Thank you, Sam. That was awesome. Cheap, buddy, isn't it? Sorry, yeah. thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me. That was lovely. Uh, we wanted to finish off this week with a discussion about promoters because this kind of... I want to talk about promoters. Yeah, we kind of started this a little bit last week and then decided we'd do it this week. Still angry about it. Oh, yeah, yeah we were talking about pay-to-play and all that kind we of We were talking about pay-to-play. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of go over like the best practices and the, and the not-so-best practices. I don't think there's a best practice or I don't think there's any way to do it. Instead of pay-to-play, can we say ass-to-ass? Ass-to-ass. <laughs> <laughs> 
because that's essentially what it is. Yeah, I mean, okay, let's should we cover that first as it come up by like, page to page? Like, what is ass to ass? I'm a big fan. Uh, what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, does someone want dis- to discuss? What, uh, what page to play is Wikipedia? You, you, your band aren't doing many shows in such a city or whatever, and then you contact promoters that just put on gigs willy nilly. Yeah. And they go, of course you can play here, but you have to buy 90 tickets at £5 each, and then you can play. Or something like that. Yeah, and they try. They always try and spin it like, oh, you can buy it at a really decent rate, so you can sell them to your friends. Yeah, they'll try and get, you buy them a discount uh, rate, and then you sell them on, and all that kind of... Basically, it's the promoter not doing their job as well. I'm as slightly I'm lubricated. 90 was an over-exaggeration. Yeah. No, but it'll be like... 10 tickets or 15 yeah. tickets or something and you have I mean, to so you have to buy them at £5 a pop or whatever the whatever the rate is so you've got to shell out 50 or 60 quid to the promoter for your space on the bill and yeah. then you yeah. have to then sell those tickets to your mm. friends basically yeah um, and it's and it's the promoter guaranteeing that they've covered the cost of the night yeah um, and then it's and then it's your responsibility to get people to come to the show yeah now the clues in the title of the promoter's title and that they promote the show to get people to come and see you play as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's yeah definitely. Because a lot of these places, the promotion they do is on their website, on their Facebook well, page. Well, not even that and then at the venue, but there's no... Their idea of promoting is they book a venue, they book mm. four bands that have nothing in common mm. and then sit back and take money on the door and expect the bands to do the rest of their legwork. Sure. Um, whether that's getting people through the door, whether that's organising the back line, which I've, the number of times I've had fucking arguments with promoters about that, it's just like, oh, we've got to bring this, got to bring that. I was like, no, this is your job to organise. But like, I'm happy to bring staff, but don't just leave it up to the bands to sort of sort out. Go, yeah. right, we've got this. Like the venue has this much equipment, we need to bring this and then if like if someone needs to like normally the headline band are, as far as I'm concerned will provide a drum kit because they're normally in the position where they can get a drum kit to the show and they've got a drum kit whereas the first band on tend to not be in that position sometimes um, and just shit like that, that and, and when they're just kind of oh, just sort it out yourself you're like no I think that's, that's why this good. is such a massive can of dicks because you say pay to play you know, a lot of the shows I play are essentially pay to play without the label because you promote it yourself. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm all for bands. I'm all for bands base, promoting shows. Like, yeah, like, you should be doing that as a band. Obviously, you're going to have a fan base mm. of some sorts, and you're going to want them to come to your shows. But yeah. it shouldn't. The onus shouldn't be on you to get people to come. Yeah, um, that should be up to the promoters to put on a good I mean, night. And there it's... are plenty of promoters that do that really well. But there are yeah. a lot of promoters, especially in London, um, that don't they'll just book any old venue anywhere and just go like I think because to them it's a business it's every week it's every, maybe even every night you know yeah. and they don't give a fuck about punk rock they just think do you know what works well on a Saturday night in this part of town a couple of fucking punk rock bands don't care who they are don't care what they do yeah. stick them on job done but if you want to talk about like great promoters and people who do it really well Kieran Kelly in Manchester the guy's awesome absolutely incredible the way he books shows is great he, he only books bands he loves he, he gives you food he gives you booze. He gives you somewhere to stay. Yeah, and that's what that's you need. Cool. Well, I've I've had a lot of really good experiences with promoters exactly like that in yeah. Europe. When I've been when I was playing with the diehards, and they'd fly us out, they'd pay for our flights out there. 
they'd make sure we had somewhere to stay they'd mm. feed us at the show they'd give us beer um, and we'd get paid quite often at the end yeah. of the night as well they'd rub your belly um, and they, yeah they'd rub our little bellies you got your belly um, and we'd just have an absolute fucking blast because it was no effort to us like we wouldn't have to take equipment like I'd take drumsticks that was it they'd be they'd yeah. make sure that the back line had been provided for by someone else it's a big cultural I mean, difference yeah, yeah it's a huge cultural difference to the way that um, uh, they, run, uh, they run the business I think it's that's a lot to say about the, the way that like UK I think it's the, London I don't know if it's just UK no I had exactly British. the same problem with well like, I played in, in Newcastle UK. for years and it was same, 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 same I, think, I think it's a well, symptomatic UK UK deal it's there's some some absolutely I mean I'm not going to say bad poor or dreadful or whatever it's just very different to that European yeah. model of we'll bring you here and we'll yeah. pay for that and we'll look after you and you'll play and then you'll leave whereas over here it's more it's more hard earned it's like you have to come here on your own steam you're mm. gonna lose money you probably won't have everything you need you're not gonna have a particularly nice time and you're gonna leave <coughs> none the better and you do that for fucking years and then yeah. eventually you start you know clawing in a few extra people to come and see <laughs> right. you play live yeah. but that's exactly that's our country nowadays but that's that, what you gotta do again. that shouldn't be necessary there's enough promoters especially within our scene yeah. And there's enough promoters that you don't need to have to do that anymore. You don't have to play for promoters that will just book you f- f- because they don't, they don't know who you are. Absolutely. You just, you just yeah. email them and they go, yeah, you can play this Tuesday night at half past eight. With a metal band and indie yeah, band. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, band, there, yeah. there are yeah. plenty. You've got, you got people like, like Angela and Dave, like sort of uh, 176 Records and, and Everything Sucks and stuff. That, that they're invested in the scene. Yeah, they they know the bands that they're booking. They they absolutely they're the ones at the front of the of the shows dancing around to everyone playing. They know the bands. Um, when they book you to play, like you're guaranteed whatever tier that you're playing, you're going to take some money home, even if it's just a little bit of petrol money. Yeah, sure. Um, and they promote it really well. They've got they're 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 online all the time, um, and uh, they might be out flying or whatever. But they're they're absolutely invested in putting on like the best possible show they can and having mm-hmm. people show up for that. Um, and they'll give bands a break, uh, and they'll put you on with uh, with a headline act that you would never have thought that you'd be able to play with, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's absolutely phenomenal. And that's I think for me that's the sort of best practice. Um, the same with like uh, I mean not to keep going over old ground again but like with the Owl Sanctuary like the guy that ran the Owl Sanctuary entirely invested in what he's doing um, and, and running shows like every night of the week and, and knows knows the bands knows the area bloody bloody bar like if you if you if you get booked to play there you don't have to put any effort in you can just show up and play and you know you're going to have a fucking amazing night Mm. Um, and you're not playing for a promoter that he's like he's like you said earlier on that he's it's a business for them and like because I've 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 played for promoters and we get at the end of the night go oh so we getting paid then and go I'm trying to make a living and we've not made any money it's like fuck off mm-hmm. like you you're trying to make a living but if this is your business then surely your overheads are the venue the security and the bands yeah like we shouldn't be working to make you money oh yeah yeah <laughs> like, no I, I think there's a very big distinction and an important point to make there that. I think a lot of promoters obviously work for a living. That's their job. They are professional promoters. And that's, you know, I think that's respectable. And I think that's yeah. obviously quite far removed from everything we've been talking about today. Oh, totally, punk totally. bands, basements, etc. And those guys, great, good for you. I mean, if you're going to put on punk shows and you're not going to pay your bands, you're not going to give them anything to eat and you're not going to look after them in any way, I think you, you pretty much have failed in your, your endeavor because well, you're not, part you're, of the whole ethos is yeah. that you look after each other. And you, you make it comfortable and you make it enjoyable and you, you put on a night that everyone can enjoy. And if you haven't done that, 
for the audience or for the band, you kind of fluffed it. And fair enough, everyone fluffs it every now and then, but it's the least you can do to pay people what you told them you're going to pay them, put on a decent show with sound that actually works, and, and make sure everyone's safe and happy when they leave. That's yeah. the bare minimum, especially in punk rock. Yeah, like, that sure, that's yeah. all you can do, and it ain't exactly hard. Like, if there's an audience, you can put some shit in front of them they're going to like. If there's no audience, there's no point forcing it. Yeah, and a lot of people put on shows where there's no audience, and that's dumb. Yeah, never gonna, no dumb. one's ever going to. It's been. You know, ve- I mean, there out. are there are so many venues in London. Um, I mean, I was talking about this the other day about how a lot of them are shutting down, but there's there were just so many that you wouldn't even realise were venues. They're just like basements in pubs and stuff where gigs go on. Yeah, but you would you don't know to go to them. You only know if a band's book that you that you that like, you're, you're, you, you know, like and, follow, and then yeah. yeah and you might turn up and then there'll be you'll be one of six people there yeah because it's not it's not like a happening place as it were yeah, sure. it's not the black heart or it's not the bird's nest or yeah. it's not the fighting cocks yeah it's just some shitty little basement off of soho somewhere yeah um and yeah you've got promoters there that are, that are trying to scratch out a, a, a bit of pocket money yeah um, and doing it off the work of all the, what the bands are doing, really. But it's hard. It's, it's hard to draw that line because, like, you know, I used to put on shows, and I put on Jimmy Islip and Digger Barnes in Cambridge, which is like a lot of promoters' waking nightmare. Yeah, fucking unbelievable challenge of putting that show on. And I was like, well, I'll just put it on and see what happens. I was an idiot, and I thought whatever, and I made a load of food, gave them somewhere to stay, ticked all the boxes, and then a shitload of people came just out of nowhere. Like people love Digger Barnes. They all came out. And it was great. We packed the place out. It yeah. was absolutely jumping. I, I paid everyone way more than they would have expected. Everyone left happy. And it was great. And then, obviously, other nights, you get the exact opposite happens. Yeah. And, and very similarly in London, I think, you know, I played a basement show recently with a Smiths tribute band that I do that James put on, actually, yeah. James Hull. And it was great. Absolutely rammed. People going crazy. Like, I would have never known that place where, where existed. Did, where was that? Veg Bar in Brixton. Okay. It's a vegan cafe. You know, yeah. oh, fucking yeah. known. Yeah, I've. I mean, I've. Because I again, I used to put on shows myself. Like mm. when I was a lot younger, I was like twenty one or something, and um, and I'd, I'd done a few shows around London. It, it kind of it grew out of what I'm talking about. Like I was in a band. I was in a uh, in a just a straight up punk rock band, and I was sick of playing for like promoters that would just put me on a show with a metal band or whatever. Mm. So I'd like, right, do you know what? I know bands. I'm like, I'm friends with like Love and a Forty Five and Punch Puppet or whatever. Let's. Let, I'll just grab a venue and book a show and run yeah. it myself and we can all just fucking have a laugh that way so I started off doing that and then I started doing a couple other little bits and pieces to the point that I, I did a show at the Standard that was in Walthamstow at the time uh, with like Vice Squad headlining um, and I uh, put on I promoted the fuck out of that for months because like, that was costing me money mm. for Vice Squad that was like hundreds <laughs> to, to book them to play um, and I put like a, a few of my mates bands on a support and all that kind of stuff and he got it was a Thursday night like not a shit night of the week yeah. Walthamstow is a, a little bit out of the way but it's one train from central London and it's a really decent venue um, and we it, it come to the night and we put it on and it it didn't flop like we had a, a lot of people in but we didn't pack the place out and I ended up losing 240 quid but I was like that's my problem that's exactly. not I'm, I can't yeah, yeah. I can't let the end of it go do you know sorry Vice God I know I booked you to play but actually yeah. I'm going to have to pay you half of your fee because not enough people turn up that's they, just not fair on them are they sort of the band that probably cave your head in if you said that, <laughs> that is, they're not the sort of band that cave my head in do you know what funnily enough uh, I was like talking to Becky that night and she said that they'd um, she'd actually gone and done an, uh, uh, an AAC course like an accountancy course 
Um, so she could do all of the band's like finances herself okay. uh, and like work out like where they could actually deduct money from like taxable stuff and <laughs> shit like that. Yeah. Um, but I just, it's just not fair with them. We'd agreed up front it was going to be 400 quid. Yeah. And like, because at the time, I mean, not so much anymore. Like, I went to see Vice God the other day at Tea Chances. It's basically a basement show. Um, but at the time, they'd sort of just got back together uh, or been back together for a few years. And they would, they'd just done The Underworld a little while before that. So it was, it, to me at the time, I was like, this is worth the money. Because yeah. if we packed the place out, I could easily have doubled what I'd paid. Mm-hmm. Paid them and taken some money for myself and like paid all the other bands and stuff and like covered the it's, rider and that. It's and, fucking hard. But, that, that, but my it's point is, is like, the ethos was I'd agreed to book them and pay them I so you stuck by that yeah, yeah I have to stick by it I you can't, have to honor that if it's an I agreement I exactly. go do you know what actually I've got it to make a living out. Yeah, 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 yeah that's not yeah. that's not the punk ethos and that's not yeah. the uh, that's the uh, that's the op- that's not the ethos that a lot of promoters yeah, to take true. they're just sort of like what do you, like what have you done to deserve playing on my show exactly like, mm-hmm. we, we went through a phase of promoting like we'd put on our own shows yeah. and stuff yeah uh, it was super fun, but like such hard work. And it stuff. is a lot. But like of hard we were work, the same. Like we agreed to, you know, like we put on Rob, like Rob Lynch played with us. That was the first time that money played with us. <laughs> <laughs> and like you know, like obviously you you, you pay you, what you I agree think just and stuff. Like the rule of being a human being: if you say something, you honour it. Yeah, yeah, totally. I've had so many instances where I had to walk promoters to cash points and be a dick and just, mm. you know. Oh, that's, yeah, that's not a good sucks. situation. But if someone, as far as I'm concerned, if someone tells you something is an absolute definite, a guarantee, if you will, sure, sure. they should honor that at the bare minimum. You know, you don't fuck people over at the end of the day. Someone, you don't make people come to your town. You know, you don't lead people to believe it's going to be fun and exciting and lucrative to come to your town and play music and then you leave feeling completely empty and broke well, you'll, in you'll, the world. you'll never go back then and then as a promoter you felt because you because you're, you're person, no yeah. but then you're they're, they're not in any way sort of shaping that community they could no, you're they could be shaping nothing you've, by yeah, operating like you've that, just yeah. had a, you've just had a night that's never going to go down in the history books anywhere yeah um you're yeah like you say nothing's been contributed it's not built on anything yeah. you the the band's not cuz if the band like the next year or whatever is going back through the town and they've done particularly well and had a good night then they're going to come back to you and go do you know what right? we've now got dub- we've now doubled our following we've got a record out and people are going to come and see us like we we can make you more money mm. <laughs> but you fucked us around last time so why should we we're going to go and find someone else I, I think it's coming from a perspective of playing music where there is literally no money <laughs> I think oh. I can quite authoritatively say that like it almost doesn't enter in the equation unless you get shafted. You know, yeah. I don't play anywhere thinking, I'm going to make loads of money. I always think, I'm not going to get fucked over. Yeah. So if well, I that's... have been fucked over, I don't go back. I don't deal yeah. with those people. I, mean, I don't not... want to do I mean, that. When we're talking about, we're, we're talking like 10, 20 quid or yeah. like there being a crate of beer in the band room. Like, that's that's, that's all, that's all that's you so want. That's so good. Guys, that's... if you're listening, please just put a crate of beer in the fridge. That would be great. Yeah. And some hummus, you <laughs> Yeah, some More hummus. More hummus. Um, I, I just think I think as a general rule you should behave as a promoter as you would behave as a normal human being you should provide for your guests you should be nice and you should <laughs> yeah. ensure that everyone has a good time it's like an inspector calls you know you should just <laughs> lay shit on have a ghost there and don't make anyone drink bleach exactly nobody, <laughs> nobody has to drink bleach to get high come on you know, naming no names I've had some horrendous incidences with promoters that are worse than like some of the worst people I've ever met in my entire life and you know these people shouldn't be involved in in putting on good times if you put on a party Darren actually it's probably a bad example if you put on a party I wouldn't expect to arrive to you know a punch in the face and you know a DIY (laughs) enema 
I would expect to arrive to cordial greetings and uh, from Darren yeah these are Darren's <laughs> that's through a fucking special. sick party he does throw summer. sick parties yeah well that's good it's like a master. over I mean, like 200 chicken wings I just <laughs> I killed a lot of chicken <laughs> There was a lot of chicken. And I, I mean, the men's thing is... I didn't even use the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. I just took the wings. Nice. No, I, had, I, had a, I had a promoter once that um, uh, we, he put on this really good show. Uh, it was like a Monday night in King's Cross and we, we, we turned up and played. It was us, Pacer. Oh, is this in Rivalries? Was it, it was Rivalries, yeah. Pacer, Home Advantage and, Swim, and Swim Good. Who oh, the, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, who uh, at the time, like, no one had heard of them, but they yeah. travelled They travelled a bit to get it. They were, like, from outside London. Was that at the Sir, yeah? Yeah, it was that yeah, place, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, oh, it's like this little... Place by it's kind of like, on a Friday night, it's clearly a club, but downstairs they've got a venue. So we did this show, and we had a really good night, and they come to the end of it, and we approach, we approach the promoter and say, yeah. Can, uh, like, so what's the deal with money? Like, yeah. not people. And he's like, oh, sorry, uh, there's no money. We're like, what? And he was like, well, you haven't bought enough people. I'm mean, like, everyone that's here is because of every band that's playing. Like, you've not, like, no one's here just because they wanted to come to a punk show. Because it's of the because, cabaret floor it's, show. It's because, yeah. <laughs> and, and he just, and he did the whole, oh, I've got to make money and it's a business and all kind of shit. And I'd, uh, I wasn't there it, just through that conversation, but I messaged him the next day because it was, it was partly m- my a connection that I had through a friend that got us that show and sort of got the show put together. Right. And I was just like, you fucking cunt. Like that was the, like, I've not been treated like that as a band for a long time, especially not in this scene. And I was like, you've just been bang out of order basically. And he did the whole, oh, I've got to make money. Da, 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 da. And I just, whatever, left it. Um, and then <laughs> about a year later, he formed a band and then I had the cheek to ask if he could come and play shows with us. We, like, massive game. We, why should why should we do you any favors? We, we played we played with them once, and uh, they weren't good. And then uh, <laughs> and also like we, but like out of politeness, we watched them and stuff. You know, like and then we're like, we played we're and they just fucked up. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, yeah, charming. Cheers, guys. The annoying Thanks for making us watch your doll set. I'll say you so much. You did a c word uh, on a podcast. I've gone back to. A venue and made knew the promoter would be there yeah. to go and get the money the next day. Yeah, yeah. Catch, well, I think, catch, catch, I think yeah. you should do. Yeah. If you're in a band, make sure if you've especially if you've agreed a, a, like that you're going to yeah. get paid something, even if it's just mm. a token okay. petrol money. For sure, make sure the promoter gives it to you. The like, cause thing, otherwise they will fucking get away with it. The best thing is explaining this to like uh, builders that I've worked for and stuff, and they're <laughs> yeah. just like, just go around his house with a petrol can and pour over his car and wait yeah. make, make him I mean that's money, it the so principle like, applies oh, okay. to like other, other things oh you've done something and someone hasn't paid you yeah. break their knees yeah. and you're like why does it really work like that in punk rock because uh, people are dicks I, it, it sucks because you should in my opinion like when I'm writing songs the furthest thing from my mind is money and mm. people not paying you money to do what you're doing for what you love it's sure. dumb but you know my my essential you know, my mantra on this is if someone promises you something, they should honor it. Absolutely. If you're not going to promise me something, that's fine. I'll just come and do it anyway. Like, this is the ultimate tip for all promoters out there thinking about booking Sam Russo. Don't promise me shit. I'll still come. <laughs> you know, if you're going to promise me something, give it to me. Like, that's fine. Yeah. It's just, it's saddening well, to it's have to the, even talk about money. It's not, uh, like we've been saying all along, like, you just need to look after the bands that, are, that you've got coming to play for you. And there, are lots, there are lots of... DS, um, Baboon's ass or whatever he's called, yeah, uh, Mr. DS Wilshire. Yeah, DS Wilshire and George. They 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 do that. They put on um, not so much 
they used to do gigs all the time but he'll put on gigs now but it'll be like you guys are fed you guys are beers my god it's better yeah. than being at home it's, you know, but that's what I had incredible. with the diehards going to Europe like I'd love those weekends away because I wouldn't have to take any money with me because everything would be catered for that's cool and it was it was such a I mean it would you be, get your belly rub it'd be, well, and you get your belly rub I mean it was it was hard work because you'd be like first flight in the morning out to like uh, Sweden or something and then you'd have to get like the first flight back the next day so you'd be uh, you'd never really get any sleep oh but, worries me but <laughs> well this is the thing but you get past all Mommy. that because because my you my belly hasn't been rubbed <laughs> <laughs> because you've been well looked after and you've had a really good weekend hard. out of it yeah, and it's, yeah it, it, it mitigates the fact that you've kind of had to go through a little bit of trial to get there yeah. um, well, and this the, is what I'm saying about there being these really good promoters uh, in, I mean we've been a bit of a, a bit unfair on the UK there are some amazing promoters as I've already said um, mm. and they're the ones that I tend to I tend to sort of go to now if I want to if, if I need shows um, yeah. we'll approach those people because mm-hmm. we know we're going to have a good night and they get us, they get the band that I'm playing in yeah. and and it's going to be cool. That's yeah. just, you know, you've got to build those relationships. I think you foster yeah. those, you you know, you nurture those relationships and you fuck the guys off that drop a handful of, uh, you know, rusty change in your pint glass at the end of the night. Yeah. But, you know, play, like you say, compared to playing in Germany and, and things where it's almost like just standard to sort people out. You know, yeah, I played yeah, with yeah. Rob Lynch abroad um, maybe this time last year or maybe even for long ago, I don't know. But, you know, we flew out together, we flew back together, and everything was handled. You landed, and someone drove you somewhere, and then you, you got told where the best pub was, and you got told where the best food was and shit. And I, I almost felt a little bit babied. I felt like, yeah. do you know what? I'm used to figuring this shit out on my own and being a you know a self-sufficient human being, but I'm very grateful for your suggestions. Thanks for this. But I think over, over in Germany, maybe they, they feel like they have to look after us more because... With giant, your you guests know, in the country babies. and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do, do you think that maybe in Germany and Sweden and all these other places in Europe that we've been to that they do have the same problem as us? But the fact that we've been booked and flown over to play there, you, you we get to see the better side of their promoting. I don't. Tactics, I don't know, like demographically, what the what the deal is. I just always feel very lucky when I get yeah. to go abroad and play because I always have a great time and and meet lovely people. And then <clears throat> when I come back here, something similar always happens. But there's always that underlying feeling of like, oh, Jesus Christ, you've given me 12 carling. Why aren't they cold? <laughs> and then I feel like a massive twat because I think yeah. like, well, do you know what? I've got 12 carling. I can give, you know, two of those to my friends. No, <laughs> share them out against, amongst your friends and have a great night. You know, yeah. it's always, there's always something positive. It's never always bullshit. But, you know, just flying on a plane with Rob Lynch, my God, I was wet from start to finish. You know, <laughs> this is true. Rob Lynch wears sweatpants on the plane. Oh, He's yeah, a he, frequent flyer. Though. He drops the veil. You know, he strips down from the punk rock attire and puts on a pair of sweatpants for the flight. Nice. It's very casual. For, for a future reference, thank you, giving us Carlin. Yeah. Carlin's not a good choice Carlin's of beer. Yeah. EDL of beer. I mean, can you even... <laughs> is it I'd like to say, I'll much. get one. I can't remember the last time EDL I saw a can of Carlin. Huh? <clears throat> is it even around that much anymore? I feel yeah. like... Yeah. Like, it's definitely still yeah. a beer. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Carling's still around. It's like, it, and he's, he can't even see it. Is the, is, the sky, <laughs> is the sky still a thing? I haven't looked lately. No, we're, we're lucky. Like most promoters, will put on like red stripe or something, or just give you like yeah, red stripe. Red stripe's exotic. That shit's Jamaican. While we're on this topic, <laughs> I just want to give a shout out to the unicorn in Camden because they put on like well, whatever promoter wants to use that venue, yeah. it's free for them to use. 
Really? Yeah. They um, do good open they've mics got, They've well. got a decent stage. Like they, They've not got a backline as such, but right. you can kind of organise that between yourself. Decent sized stage. But so, it's a yeah. decent sized stage, decent venue. Yeah. Promoter basically gets it for nothing. Um, and uh, they the promoter will get... 10% of the bar takings that night I think yes. it's something like that um, which the, so that means that all the bands always get a, a really nice chunk of money yeah, for once yeah, and like, like, that's, that's fucking incredible that's like our hometown we start putting on gigs and stuff and like they, they couldn't charge because it's not a live venue or something. Yeah. yeah. So they just give you a cut of the bar and it fucking and shitloads. Out yeah. Yeah. So absolute fortune. Like, there you go. Yeah, I've always they, said the bar should be part of what yeah. bands do. You know, you got a band like Lucero comes to town. How the fuck they don't get like a fifty percent bar cut? Yeah, I have no yeah. idea. Because well, I mean, people are there to drink and watch music. Two things. They're not there to piss or play fucking video games they're there to yeah. drink and watch Lucero I mean, that will be that will be true of a band like Metallica or Bon Jovi when they like play at Wembley Stadium or something they will yeah. take a cut of everything that's sold yeah but fuck that if I go see Metallica but, I'm on mescaline I'm yeah. not drinking <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying like those bigger bands like yeah, the contracts yeah. that are organised with the venues like, like, so there's the ticket yeah, price yeah. that the promoter's taking a cut of and then the band will be taking a cut of sure. everything it's almost like you work in this industry Quinn. it is almost like I work in this industry and you would be correct <laughs> Let's wrap the shit up. Yes, Thanks for coming, Sam. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, yeah. Sam. Thank you so much. Thank awesome. you for having me. I really I think, appreciate I think it. There's going to be a lot of editing in that last bit. You're going to have to snip this thing we, down. We waffled. Yeah. A, well, yeah. you waffled. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for coming. Thank you yeah. for having me. High fives all around. Up top. I've never high fived in my life, let alone three times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast rules. Excellent. Uh, don't forget Facebook, uh, Twitter, iTunes, all of that nonsense. All the socials. Uh, yes. <laughs> and we've got burn tapes next week, so that's going to be fucking Yeah, crazy. it's going to be a laugh. Yeah. I hope so. We've beat it up now. Yeah, but yeah. it's got to be good. Otherwise, we'll just have to retire. Cue the song. Yeah. Bye, people. Corners, not chairs. I was reading about uh, the mental responses to fragrances recently, and I read that men are more attracted, I guess sexually or just in a sort of biologically reactionary sense, to earthy smells. And women are more reactive to floral smells, which makes me wonder how the fragrance industry has got that completely backwards. Because all, <laughs> right. well, a well, lot of women's mar- fragrances are floral based, and men's are more muscular. They're marketed to what you like the smell of, though, aren't they? You're not going to pick no. up a fragrance and, and go oh, I can't stand the smell of that but girls are yeah. going to fucking love it well, or vice versa uh, Darren I think <laughs> has got something to say about that it's just what ever girl you do you wear do you wear guys. like oh this is really nice and you, go, <laughs> you must have like a thousand bottles of cologne <laughs> <laughs> I'm so just lucky like all, all, all smelling of lavender yeah. <laughs> lavender is love, a beautiful smell I do love a lavender it's very calming very soothing yeah so you were raised right I think it's very important that we flip that trend from here as of now I'm yeah. going to start wearing we're going to start a movement yep, I'm yeah I'm into it a, a very literal <laughs> <laughs> for example Darren I think you would smell wonderful with some sort of uh, lilac bouquet